Hello and welcome to Box Cutters episode 94. It's a barrel of monkeys! My name is Josh Canal. To my left, Mr. Ross McQueen. Oh, that was a visual gag. <laughs> Only worked in the studio. <laughs> well, they'll see it on the video podcast. They will see it on the video podcast. Hey, hey, everybody. And to my right, <laughs> the one, the only, Brett Cropley. Good evening, viewers. You've lost your Mr. Status already. Oh, yeah, well, but he's been... Downgraded. No, no, no. no? He's just got, gotten a side promotion to uh, the one, the only. Ah, right. You see, it's, oh, a, yeah, yeah. it's, it's a very tricky... Uh, tricky system that I run. Yeah, it is. It's, it is tricky. But you're consistently Mister. I am consistently Mister. And that brings us to the end of Box Covers episode ninety four. What a great show that's been. What a great show. We we were going which, to be which of course it's shorter. a short show yeah. for the benefit of uh, Helen Coonan who won't be able to concentrate for it that long <laughs> to uh, actually be able to get through it <laughs> and uh, tell anybody uh, what it's about. Coonan, uh, you, you really think Coonan's listening? <laughs> Can you imagine? It's taken her this long to like understand the concept of the internet. I can't. I can't imagine her understanding podcasts anytime soon. She's and, she's, and this is coming from me. I think she has an advisor listening. Ah, obviously really? she won't be able to. She's not up to speed with actually being able to con- concentrate for seventy minutes solid. She's uh, she's getting her understanding of the internet and how it works from that congressman in Alaska. Who so so you know as far as she's concerned, it's not a truck. It's a series of tubes, and uh, she's quite happy just understanding that. Yeah. Well, why can't you just connect up the tubes, yeah. make them go faster? Yeah. Someone sent her an internets during the week. <laughs> hey, uh, so, so you're saying, Brett, that there's a mole listening? A mole? One no, of no, the, a, one a of human. The box cutters episode, uh, one of the box cutters' family is a mole for well, Coonan. Podcasts are, are kind of one way, so, so it's not like they're, they're in there and all the other listeners are saying, mm, who's the mole? Molly, Molly, Molly. <laughs> Find out, listeners. I, I want to say a, a big hello to a whole lot of the Box Cutters family who I uh, happened to meet on Saturday. Yes, Josh is now stalking Box Cutters listeners. <laughs> I was stand- it was only a matter of time. <laughs> I was standing there. They were brought up to me. Ah, you were receiving visitors. I was, I was receiving visitors. A number of them were box cutters listeners. What, what are you going to do now, Brett, that Josh has taken your resident stalker <laughs> position? I, I, don't, I don't stalk box cutters listeners. I stalk just girl. Wilbur Wilde. <laughs> Regular people. Just Wilbur Wilde. G'day, Willie. I know you'll be listening. Coming up later on in the show, we are going to have a little talk about Thursday night viewing. It yeah, should be quite exciting. I, the whole show could be about Thursday night. We, we really could make the whole thing about Thursday night. Mm. Let's just leave it to that one segment because we've also got an I Don't Buy It. We've got Ray Watch. Ray Watch is about the Thursday night too. We've got Golden mm. Age of Television. I mm. wonder what it's going to be this week. This could, could they be shows that are shown on a Thursday night? It could be this week in Bubble Wrap. Ooh. Oh. Which is very hard for me to... Oh, there, there we go. go. There you go. <laughs> this week, it's in Bubble Wrap. That wasn't worth it. We're going to talk about the show Meadowlands, finish off with some pork, but as always, going to kick things off with the Box Cutters news. In Why Would They Bother What the Hell's Happening in the World News, HBO have assigned Matt Lucas and David Williams to create a US version of Little Britain. Is it Williams or Williams? Williams. I know it's not Williams. No, it's W-A-L-L-I-A-M-S. So in French, that would just be Williams. Uh, why? Why would they bother doing that? I mean, clearly, the show is is them doing the characters. Mm-hmm. I think I read that uh, they're going to be taking on US stereotypical type characters. So they're they're going to be doing the they they themselves are going to be doing US characters. Yeah, not- yeah. pretty much just like Ronnie Johns. Anyway. Damning with faint praise. <laughs> yes. Yes. Anyway, that's that's all I have to say on that. Why bother? I mean, oh, look, catchphrases. Mm. Uh, yeah. uh, but, I mean, I think you can see why, they've, why they're thinking of doing it. Little Britain has been very popular. They think, let's leech off that a bit. 
Oh, sure. I mean, the the US do love mm. doing that at the mm. moment, but I, I still don't understand. I still don't get the whole little and, written thing. And they probably gave them a truckload of money and said, "Come and do your show." Before they even looked at it, it which, they probably just heard it was a success and just went, "Yep, we'll buy that." Which, to be fair, if HBO said to me, "We'll give you a truckload of money to do Box Cutters US." Mm. Mm. I'd say, screw you guys, I'm going over to the US. Yeah, you, yeah. You hold the fort here. Yeah, or even Box Cutters Queensland. Uh, even Box Cutters Queensland. Yeah. Hello to, uh, to all the people in, uh, in Queensland listening. Hey, Australian engineers Dr. Prashana Premarantne and Kwong Nguyen uh, have come up with a new invention for controlling... For pronouncing their surnames <laughs> properly. Is that their new invention? For controlling televisions, uh, switching on DVD players, and uh, even switching off irritating presenters. With, I've, I've got one with, of those. It's, it's a remote control. I've got yes, one. But uh, a slightly earlier model than Josh's. It's called a broom. <laughs> I thought I thought you, you've got a son, isn't that what you had a son for? <laughs> we don't let him Fry. near. Chase we channel. don't let him near the, the the remote, especially because he just he just turns the TV off and on, TV off, TV on, <laughs> TV off, TV on. It gets very distracting. So, so see, the ingenious re- thing about I, the new invention is that you don't need a device in your hand; it is your hand itself. What? what, what, what? <laughs> well, in I, I, so they're, they're surgically. Putting some chips in people's nope, hands. No, no, not at all. Really? Well, um, how else could you do it then? Brent? And and in fact, it's it's <laughs> not that much of a, a leap um, when you consider the Nintendo Wii and its special controller. It oh. uh, it basically has a camera that can recognise seven simple hand gestures and work with up to eight different gadgets <laughs> around the home. Yes, including that one, Josh, special one for the video podcast. There is no video podcast. The uh, Here's my problem with that. Mm. I still need to raise my hand. Yes, but the, the <laughs> lost remote want... control is always an issue, as well as having eight different remote controls. What I want I'm, is I'm, I'm sick control. of just the real estate on my coffee table that all those remote controls require. Well, you can't get a universal remote, Brett. I mean, really. True, really. but just my hand. Yeah, oh, yeah if but you what about, wanna, what if about you don't just spend your mind? Much, you could just get... your mind, Brett. <laughs> just the mind. Well, it, we're not quite up to that. You could get a remote boat. A remote boat. And put all your remotes in your yeah. remote boat. Little remote caddy. No. Right. Um, I, well, see... Much, much prefer the, the hand, which doesn't take but up any extra space. As, I'm, I'm as, carrying it around with me all yes, over the but place. Hang on, as hang just on. happened Listeners, then, you just gestured to me with your hand. You would have just hand? changed channel. And when you weren't meaning to. No, no, but it, it, would, it needs to be away. a specific... Uh, a specific uh, motion. So, for example, if you wanted to change to channel nine, you'd do the little nine and the balls. <laughs> Listeners, it recognises. <laughs> what you have to do the ABC symbol for the ABC. Listeners, and it doesn't work I, until you join up properly at the end. I want somebody to take a, a couple of outtakes from that little session. And well, have, because I said balls. No, more than that. Just you put a little beat behind it, have Brett saying, I prefer my hand and balls. <laughs> uh, surely, though, like this isn't going to sell in Italy. They're going to make hand gestures all the time when they're yeah. watching television. I don't, I, I, I don't know about this, Brett. Uh, you know what? Well, I, I love it if it's the next step to the mind. It's the mind, Brett. If I can just think about changing a channel... And it changed. If I don't have to but, but move what if, at all. What if you're watching uh, a current affair and you, you you just into your mind pops, oh, I wonder what's on, on Channel 7 with Anna Current. Is it going to switch over? Even though you didn't actually want to go over, you're, you're just kind of lazily letting your mind wander because you're disengaged from the content on A Current Affair. I'm reading a comic book at the moment called Ex Machina, and this guy's superpower is he can talk to machines. Mm-hmm. So maybe just... I can talk to machines. Maybe just... That's what we're all doing. Yeah, I, I, talk, oh, sorry. I talk to the TV all the time. They talk back to him. Ah, uh-huh. the TV talks back to me. <laughs> he can actually control them. Ah, right, it gives them right, instructions. Exactly. They do it. If I could just... Why can't I just say... Channel 10. <laughs> voice recognition. How about that? People have tried to replace remote controls with voice recognition or glove-based de- devices. I'm not wearing with, a glove. But with mixed results. Uh, it's been tried and the inventors have failed. And so this is, this is 100% proven. 
to be better than a remote control? Yes. What happens when the batteries go flat in my hand? There are no batteries. <laughs> what? I don't understand. I, no, I still no. reckon a calculator-sized device with buttons on it that you push to change channels would be perfect. We, we've, we've got that. I, I rest my case. Right. The new device will, uh, could be on sale within three years. Three years? <laughs> could. Three years. I can't wait through the ads so. on a TV show. How am I going to wait three years? Well, your fabulous universal remote. <laughs> I will. Good. Thank you very much. Fine. Which reminds me, uh, if Logitech want to sponsor us, I'm really in the market for a universal remote. <laughs> in Parrot News, Senator Helen Keenan has announced that Brit Andrew Townsend is to spearhead something to do with digital TV. I, I'm not quite sure what, but uh, this comes eight months after... Uh, Senator Coonan announced that she was forming an action plan to accelerate the migration of customers to digital television. I, I Eight love, months later, I love the they've idea announced, that they've announced a leader. I, I love the idea that seven years after digital television has come into this country, we finally have someone in charge of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, latest figures show just 28% of local households currently have the capacity to receive digital television, either through set-top box or built-in digital tuners, compared with 46% in Britain. Uh uh, apparently, Australia's consumers have been slow on the uptake for set-top boxes. <sighs> we've been over this. We, we have uh, many, many times. There's, there's lots of reasons why in, we've been slow on the uptake. In similar news, I heard an interview with the head of Foxtel, uh, Mr. Foxtel, last week, mm-hmm. and he was saying that they're going to be releasing an HD-capable IQ. Ah, interesting. So they're going to be taking digital a little bit further and hopefully showing a lot of their shows in uh, in HD as well. Right, yeah. Do you notice the drop-off in quality when you record on your DVD recorder from digital television? Because uh, DVD recorders don't record high definition. I record to uh, hard drive. Yep. Uh, using the smallest amount of space. <laughs> and I don't actually watch HD. I don't have oh, a screen okay. that, that will play it. Radio. Yep. Okay. Mm. I I record to magnetic tape, <laughs> and uh, and that just uses as much space as it needs. Right. Mm. Yeah. I'm old although school. although the number of times that you you watch and re-record over that uh, determines the quality that you get in an ongoing. Can you re-record fashion? over it? <laughs> I've just been chucking you're, them out. Rec- <laughs> no, 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 Josh. That's not allowed. That's illegal, in fact. You must delete it once you've watched it once. How do I delete it? There's no delete button. <laughs> I guess record static over the top of it. Oh, I chuck it out what? in a giant magnetic bin. Yes, yes, that would work. In the yep, sun. Yep, use a bulk eraser. <laughs> uh, just a, a large rubber. That's what I use. <laughs> anyway. Uh, RCTV in Venezuela, we, we talked about this uh, a while back, Radio Caracas Television, mm-hmm. confused the two of you no end. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I wasn't really confused. Really? No. <sighs> it's, it's, I remember I that, that was story. Rough. It was Caracas. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, so so the, uh, the Venezuelan network that was taken off the air by President Hugo Chavez has come back. It's going to return to air. On cable and satellite only, but they don't need the same broadcast license to do that that they did for terrestrial television. So uh, good on them. Hopefully, uh, they'll have lots of anti Chavez stories to to play out. Mm, one would think. Back to uh, talking about uh, IQs and the like. At the uh, free TV guide that we've been talking about over the past couple of weeks, which has come about with the networks agreeing to uh, Channel Seven aggregating all their programming information for the uh, anticipated release of TiVo in this country. I don't think they're. I don't think they're necessarily that related. Who the, what? the free TV, EPG, and TiVo. I think I don't think those issues are necessarily directly related. Channel you... Seven have been organising, getting the the guides together, and Channel Seven are the ones working with TiVo to release TiVo in this country. But uh, surely and TiVo if... requires an EPG to uh, operate. 
Yes, but this EPG is going to be made available to other third parties as well. So I, I mean, yes, I see. Anyway. I see. I see the, the connection lines, but I don't think the organisation was actually as explicit as that. Anyway, the EPG is free at the moment, uh, but a Ten Network spokeswoman, Margaret Fern, said that they reserve the right to charge at some point in the future. Free for whom? Where? Where can I get this free EPG? We can't yet. So how can it be free it's, at the moment? It, it, it will doesn't be, exist. It will be released free. Right. Initially. Right. At least in the short term. And then they'll hunt it down. And then once people are hooked... <laughs> like a fox. <laughs> they may start charging. Wouldn't, wouldn't you call that, Brett? What, what would switch. you Right. <laughs> right. Speaking of TiVo and the like, uh, TiVo have announced that in Australia it will be accompanied by a video on-demand service service. Uh, this has come from Channel 7's director of digital media, Rowan Lund. I think it would have been more of a story if it didn't come with a yeah, you, you video on demand. I mean, it's it's 2007. It's, it's Surely it's going to be connected up to the internet. Well, yes. and, the, in, and a, in a lot of ways, other than just for the EPG. And in that Foxtel interview that I, I heard on Radio National last week, the uh, uh, they said that they're going to have video on demand in the next rollout as well. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Because it says here that uh, uh, Foxtel offers 12 hours of new prepackaged content each week. Oh, no, they do. They do. If you've got IQ, sorry, my mistake. If you've got IQ, you can get video on demand. But uh, but TiVo services will let users download from a list of the latest release movies. So, like I said, I, I, one would have assumed this would have been happening. And, latest, and many other things. Latest release to television. Mm. I'm guessing it's not latest release to the video store. Latest release to DVD. Latest release uh, movies on demand. I would suggest it would be uh, around the time they come into video stores, possibly earlier. Really? Mm-hmm. Really? That's, that's, that's what video on demand is, but is my understanding. I, I always thought that there was, a, there was a structure. It went from cinemas to video stores then to television, so there was, uh, there yeah, was yeah, some yeah, but, kind uh, of lag. Uh, but that's free-to-air television. This is this is when you pay for it, I think you're going to get it faster than you would otherwise. Oh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how yep. many people they put out of business that way. And I would imagine that uh, probably Big Pond movies would have something to do with the uh, downloading of that. And I know that uh, on my new computer with the... Uh, the uh, Keyboard? No, no. With Windows the Vista? Screen me- Media, media Centre. Uh, that there are links to Big Pond's uh, video content there. Ah. Which costs you money to d- download? Yeah. Yep. Do they also charge you for uh, downloading and checking back with the server to see if you've downloaded? Uh, if I was on their network, I'm sure it right. would. <laughs> um Melbourne comedy duo Tony Martin and Mick Malloy have fallen out over a movie project. Yes, this is this is actually news that it, it's it's quite recently reported, but happened quite a while ago. Well, they haven't spoken for months. They're over uh, at loggerheads over a mockumentary that Tony Martin made for the DVD release of the movie Boytown, um, which was axed from the DVD, uh, with the Malloy people claiming that it was a lack of time and money that uh, kept it off the DVD. Tony Martin did offer to pay the production costs on it. It was only about five grand, um, but it just never happened. Uh, Tony Martin does say, say, I do think that it's probably one of the two or three best things I've ever done. So um, he's a bit gutted that uh, it didn't get out there. Here's what happened with that. Here's, I'm sure... I am sure this is what happened with that. They wanted Tony Martin to do this mockumentary about the boy band mm-hmm. in Boytown. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tony Martin went and did it in his usual genius way, made an excellent, excellent film. Probably far overshadowing the comedy of the Boytown. The comedy of Boytown. Well, the alleged comedy of Boytown. And, uh, and Malloy Boys went, hang on. We can't have it be funnier than... So So they've actually foregone whatever sales might have come from having that extra on the DVD, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, have 
just to save their own reputation. Now, I think lots of people are, are at fault here. Tony obviously should have known that Boytown wasn't a very good film and that it would cause problems with Mick's ego. Uh, But Mick should also have known that Tony Martin is a genius and would produce something of high quality, unlike his film. But it's not only that. Uh, I I So did you like Boytown? You know what? (laughs) I haven't seen it. So there's there's two things out of this. Firstly, um, it, it, what what may have saved the nation, and it's looking like it's it's not long for this world, although longer than uh, Josh predicted. Um, yeah, it's been on for six weeks. I predicted five. Still, if it goes to seven weeks, I still win. All our prices right, closest and under. Because there's not going to be a uh, a saving helpful hand from Tony Martin coming in like uh, what happened with the Mick Malloy show on Saturday nights, which really saved him that time. And uh, have you oh, did, have you extend, been watching? It did extend a few weeks. I watched The Nation last week. They, I watched it the week before. Last last week it ran for forty eight minutes, and they had two songs from Crowded House. There was barely a freaking TV show there. Did it only and, run for forty eight minutes? Yes. He's uh, he, he's very uh, pleased with his own jokes as, yeah. as a presenter. Well, yes. I find, and he and he never used to be like that, did he? Like every joke, well, you know, is, as he it's always coming, used to have... there's, there's a bit of a wink and a nudge to the audience, and you just think, oh god, it's not that funny, you know. And he's already in hysterics. And, thing is, and Mick used to the good guys have... are not funny. No, but they are a sponsor. He used to always have somebody to bounce off. Yeah. He had Tony Martin to bounce off. He yeah. had Rob Sitch to bounce off. He had, uh, on his uh, radio show in the first year, he had Alan Bro to bounce off. Mm. When you've got people with that much talent to bounce off, of course that's going to make you look good. Mm. Uh, but his his role is second banana. Yeah. That's, that's what he does. He is comic relief. Mm. I uh, was chatting to uh, an industry insider as I was uh, giving him a lift home the other night, who was saying that uh, there's... No, 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 it wasn't Wilbur Wilde No, because he wouldn't get in your car because he knows better than that. He he has a a sponsor's uh, Volvo, I believe, um, through his show at Vega. Um, But uh, this insider was saying that uh, the difference between Tony Martin and Mick Malloy is that Tony Martin will write 100 bits and pick the 10 best bits. Mick Malloy writes 10 bits and that's it. He just goes with it. He's, he's so he'd fit in really well with this show. <laughs> <laughs> well, it would seem from that that uh, he's extremely lazy when it comes to writing comedy. And given that this isn't a comedy show, um, I, I think that, that, that we can hold our own over that. Uh, that would make a lot of sense from what I've seen of The Nation. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't look like they're tossing anything out. No. It, it just looks like this is what we've got. We've, like we've, it or lump it. We've come, um, up, we've come up with 48 minutes worth of material. Yeah. Here it is. But is that like the old... Well, I 48 mean, minutes minus that. Minus... minus I mean, oh. but were there, were there a lot of ads... Were there... Could it have been a normal length show just with very few ads? Because Channel 9 do have a history of doing that. No, nah, for, for a 10.30 Wednesday night slot, there was a normal, normal amount, amount of ads. Okay. Yep. Mm. It's, yep. uh, and also the lighting was terrible. Uh, Neil Finn was on set yes, with, uh, but- with What's-His-Face and um, sitting around the desk and apparently a bit too close to Mick because he was out of the, the light. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, you, well- you wouldn't like them having a desk anyway. Oh, I don't mind. You're very anti desks on television. Well, well, their desk actually works uh, along the same lines as the uh, uh, as the Letterman desk, where the mm. interviewee actually sits alongside the host rather than right, across yeah. from the host. Because I watched a bit of, I must have seen a bit of Rove. I think it was when uh, the two guys from Knocked Up came out. Yep, Seth Rogen and. Uh and whoever the other guy yeah, was, yeah, yeah. Paul Rudd, possibly, uh, when they were sitting there, and that was a really weird setup. Like I think they were facing the audience, but they kind of had to look over their shoulders to see Rove. Like mm-hmm. that, that looked really awkward and uncomfortable, particularly for Paul, who was sitting on the further seat along. I, I, I don't think he could have. Even... And people were coming down that corridor, and he was just getting way over there, and it was terrible. It, it did. It did seem like a really odd, odd way to see people. Yeah. D- didn't make any sense, really. Mm. And that 
is the box cutter's news. Are you one of those that follows the follows the Get me a jury and show me how you can say in July and I'll go down on you. Hear ye, hear ye. I declare that Brett Cropley does not buy it. Breaks plus. I've just been seeing this over the weekend. You guys might have seen it. Um, very standard uh, to camera bits about uh, their prices by this guy who's putting on the worst Scottish accent in the world and uh, gets through the first bit and then suddenly it rewinds and they put subtitles under him, even though he's completely understandably speaking English. How bad is his Scottish accent? Is it, oh, I breaks plus? Uh, no. No, it's not over the top, but it's just, it's it's not Huggers. on. It's, it's obvious. Like, they haven't even gone to the effort of having somebody speak in a, in a broad Scottish accent so that they, they're almost not understandable for the English. Completely understandable. There's no need for the, the subtitles. It's not funny. It's not clever. It, it vaguely smells of racism. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't buy it. They should have got somebody like uh, Spud from Train Spotting. Oh, yeah, he'd, he'd be great. You know, you can't understand what he says. That'd be great. Or Billy Connolly. Clearly, he loves doing ads in Australia. Yeah. Hey, just while we're on that, what's with those latest Telstra G ads with, you know, the tagline, this wouldn't happen in Australia? So far, I've seen <gasps> Dustin, Dustin Hoffman, Hoffman, John McEnroe, and uh, and somebody else. Yeah, someone in a cab. But are they all with the children? Yeah. Of, yeah? Uh, no, because I'm Geldof in Bob a plane. Because I know Geldof. it's I know it's Dustin Hoffman's son, right? Uh, no, no, it's uh, the Bob Geldof one. I don't know who he's talking he's to. He's just in a plane. He's, he's talking to the stewardess, and he's downloading an email. It doesn't happen quick enough. He gets kicked off the plane, and, and he's complaining. This wouldn't, wouldn't happen in Australia. Because yeah. Telstra's next G network is so super fast. Apparently, mm-hmm. apparently, stars from all over the world uh, are complaining about their networks in comparison to Telstra's well, next G. And the John McEnroe one, I've only seen the end of it, but he's complaining about some guy in a lift or something and ends up with a drink all over him and says, it wouldn't happen in Australia. So he doesn't say you cannot be serious. No. Oh, he probably uh, does. Probably <laughs> at some stage. The, the thing is... With as far as Americans go, yes, I can understand it because their three G networks really aren't all that crash hot, and mm. uh, and it's is a little bit of a problem. But for them to, you know, I don't, this wouldn't happen in South Korea, this wouldn't happen in Japan. That makes a lot more sense. <laughs> this wouldn't happen in Australia. Eh, probably would. <laughs> probably. Sorry, guys. No, we don't buy it. Hello and welcome to today tonight. Soap and water. Soap and water. Hello and I'm Naomi Robson. Swearing. We have to get to get quickly because I'm I'm going through the bubble wrap. (laughs) It's not. (laughs) It's anti-pop bubble wrap. (laughs) You did it the first time. It didn't work. You you admitted to all (laughs) the listeners how much it didn't work, and you're going for the same gag again. Yeah, no, it's and it's still not working. But it's. It should be so good. <laughs> uh, uh, good work, Cropley. Takes fingers of steel. Needs <laughs> yeah. a twist. A very unexpected uh, Ray Watch this week came to us from A Current Affair on Thursday night. ACA did a special on the cost of living. Now, uh, in and of itself, that's not all that unusual. Uh, battlers are kind of their bread and butter. I guess, and uh, you know, battlers uh, struggling is is what they uh, what they fill their show with most of the time. We're all feeling the pinch a little bit. We are. However, this one had two unusual things about it. First of all, it had politicians on it, both what? Kevin Rudd and Peter Costello. Now, it wasn't a hard hitting seven thirty report style interview, but. In this age of minute-by-minute minute ratings, we've been told constantly that politicians are the ultimate turn-off, and they've pretty much been banished from uh, 6.30 Current Affairs show. So it was very strange to see to see those two politicians on there. The other thing that made it very odd was that it was very, very political. Really? It, uh, it gave Kevin Rudd plenty of time and plenty of little sound bites to get his message across. He was shown walking through the streets, talking to people about the prices of groceries and really came across looking like a man of the people, 
when it got time for Peter Costello, he his stuff was filmed off a monitor and zoomed in, making him look red-faced and bloated. And the way it was edited together, he came across quite arrogant and uncaring, but it is Peter Costello. But he so, is. <laughs> uh, ACA definitely took a position, yeah. which, is, which is very interesting. And quite early. Yeah. But maybe maybe they're just going with the polls. I mean, the, the polls say I, I, right all the way. I, uh, I completely agree. I don't think a show like this is a leader as much as it is a mirror. I don't think they're saying, hey, people do this. I think they're kind of in amongst the crowd going, we're all doing this at the moment. Hooray. So, yeah, but back but, in the days of, of Packer, mm, of, of Big Carey, mm. they really would have taken a position round about now in the, in the five months leading up to, to the election. Not a, not a huge position, but they would have taken some kind of position. This really does seem to be like they're, they're just following mm. the polls. Yeah, it does. Maybe it's the, uh, the money men bringing in some changes. You think? You think CVC really care? Yeah. I, I, ju- I, just think, I just think, like Josh says, I think it's a reflection of the mood. I think, you know, they've seen the way the wind's blowing and like Mayor Quimby, they said, let it not be said that we don't blow that way. <laughs> so, hmm, interesting I don't really watch <laughs> Hi, this is Jess Maguire from Defamer Australia and other malarkey And you're listening to my favourite podcast, Box Cutters Thursday night viewing has Apart from that A Current Affair story Apart from that A Current Affair story It was chock-a-block Last Thursday, huge what a huge night of television. So much so, I couldn't watch everything that I wanted to watch. Of course, what there was... was well, there of was, course, with your antiquated video taping system, you could only video one thing and watch one other thing. I was actually trying to just flick between channels and draw what I was seeing ah, right. so I could go back later and see what it was that I was you watching. You need to go like Brett. You need the six DVD recorders <laughs> and the 12 videos and they need to all be taping at once. Or uh, maybe I just need uh, sponsorship from Foxtel for IQ. Ah, right. Okay. Just putting it out there, just saying. <laughs> Why? Because you can't afford it? Because it's so expensive? It is expensive. Wow. I've never said it's not expensive. Remember, I did that whole thing about how I'm cutting back on my Foxtel. Yep. Anyway, yep. this is this is important Thursday night <laughs> viewing time. Yes. Last Eight, week. 8.30, we had the great rock and roll swindle. Yes. <laughs> the great global warming swindle featuring the Sex Pistols. Yes. On two channels. On two channels. Yes. On ABC and ABC2. On uh, at the same time at eight thirty, we had Sea Patrol, Correct. which we neglected to mention last week. So we're going to do a bit on that, and then on nine thirty, well, the poo, the debate was still going on. We had uh, Philippusis in Age of Love, which was a very, very special experience. So, which do you want to start with? Uh, let's let's go with uh, the the great global warming swindle featuring the Sex Pistols. Uh, <laughs> Because we, we've talked about this on the blog in the comments to last week's show. Mm-hmm. So just it, uh, kind of in addition to that, we talked about the the actual documentary quite a while ago on box cutters when it first aired in, in Britain. Did and did you guys watch the documentary? Yes. I, I watched some of it. I fell asleep through some of it. <laughs> it was it, uh, it, It's pretty sad that the ABC's screening stuff like this. Like, I, I, I'm all for fair and balanced if, that, if that's what they have to do, then that's fine. But this is just pandering to a very certain demographic. Showing something like this, which has been disproven so comprehensively, which the filmmaker has to re-edit every time it gets shown anywhere in the world because of complaints, because of factual inaccuracies being found out. I think this was the fourth or fifth version that they showed, the one that we saw, Mm -hmm. by which time they'd cut out a staggering 45 minutes of it. It's just... It's just ridiculous. And and Channel 4 over there, I mean, we've talked about Channel 4 before. That's what they do. They they try and stir up the pot. They show Celebrity Big Brother. It's it, it's just the, it's nonsense that the they had the doc- showing they had the like documentary this. about Diana exactly exactly uh, the the thing is with this with this show yes I understand the need to have opposing views about about certain things but but that that premise is is faulted because the ABC haven't shown uh, oh my god the Earth is burning let's cut our CO two emissions 
there, no, which there is, hasn't been that's the pro true. That's true. global which is, warming, which is why they turned it why they turned it from just showing a documentary into a television event. Which I mean, thank God it was. <laughs> I know because otherwise it just would have been entirely uninteresting. Mm. So it end. So the documentary ended. Went for an hour, and then Tony Jones interviews the filmmaker, and and uh, the doco itself uh, pulled one point one mil in uh, national That's capital city. Fantastic for the ABC. So I, Came I at number three. I woke up to hear Tony Jones interviewing the uh, the the filmmaker and uh, basically berating him about how all his facts were incorrect, uh, and that was you know. All right. You didn't like that. That was my favourite bit of the whole night. Really? My favourite bit of the whole night was when they came to... Well, my favourite bit was actually then we see that Tony Jones is in front of a panel of experts and uh, the second expert he calls on basically berates Tony Jones for uh, for going this guy when he wouldn't go somebody of the opposing view. Mm. And, not and, ex- and didn't go. Uh, yeah, pe- people a few uh, weeks ago. What's his name who did the whatever it is report? A Max Gillies, the Gillies report. The Stern. He didn't go. He didn't. He didn't go after one of the main writers of the Stern. Well, report. One of the right. biggest criticisms about the documentary was that the main graph that uh, that that apparently proved that uh, global warming ran in line with solar flares stopped in nineteen eighty, and since then uh, the the paths have seriously diverged in the last twenty years. Yeah, and 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 another graph that showed. Yeah, temperature, the Earth's temperature, which they kept calling the hockey stick because it rises so suddenly. Uh, the graph the graph now looks like a hockey stick and he, he pretty much just left that off because it wouldn't suit his purposes. No. Yes. And the uh, and so you know, all of that was, was interesting, but not as interesting as seeing someone criticize Tony Jones on his own show and, and see how Tony Jones handles that. Mm-hmm. Which in itself was nowhere near as interesting as the audience. Well, that's it. I mean, the the, the panel kind of you, you kind of got the impression why they generally don't let scientists on the air that much. Uh, anytime they were asked a question, I think they'd still be talking now yes. <laughs> if if somebody didn't shut them up. And but they three points. Are you talking about the panel or the audience? No, no, the panel. The panel, <laughs> the panel were like that. The audience made the panel seem <laughs> articulate and brief. <laughs> the the audience just have you got some quotes there, Brett? It's you're, you're looking at your um, paper. Well, well, there was an interesting thing that uh, I came across today that uh, the the audience was actually hijacked by members of a nationalist political party, uh, being the Citizens Electoral Council of who, Australia, who are uh, Larouchians, who has li- links to uh, Lyndon Larouche, who maintains that global warming is a political. Ca- political campaign spearheaded by Al Gore and piloted by the same people pushing globalisation. Um, half the audience members uh, were members of the CEC and and there's no explanation how exactly that happened. Apparently hundreds and hundreds of people were trying to get in for the audience. Because I was... And half of them ended up... With I was shocked group. with this, this one guy, yes, you up the front. The first one? Uh, uh, I can't remember. Uh, who just no, the the, the carbon fourteen man. Yeah. Carbon fourteen man was is <laughs> my favourite superhero at the moment. Was, how, how do you explain carbon fourteen? <laughs> well, it's an isotope of carbon. But they found carbon fourteen. <laughs> what is your point? And Tony yeah, Jones, I loved it. They went to the scientist and decided he, he had this five minute uh, spiel, and then went to the scientist and the scientist said, "I'm not sure there was a question I, there." I've, I've <laughs> and so the members introduced stuff like the carbon fourteen, eugenics, Plato's cave, and Nazism. Uh, with one member noting the global warming fear was Hitler Nazi race science, and this will destroy <laughs> Africa. Yeah, I, lo- I love that. It will destroy Africa. But there was also uh, the guy who who said, uh, "I've studied this at university. I've studied that at I've university. I've studied under Larouche. I've studied I studied violin under Lyndon Larouche. Yeah. Noted violinist <laughs> Lyndon Larouche. And just and then he goes on to talk about some scientists that." nobody's heard of before from 400 years ago discovering universal gravity and all the scientists in the room kind of go, he's a what now? (laughs) (laughs) And that that was a guy talking about Plato's cave and observing the shadows on the wall. It was so entertaining. (laughs) It was actually my favourite bit of television for, for the week just because there are all these nut bars and clearly the ABC should have thought twice about having that go live. (laughs) <laughs> but you see, if they if they had have thought twice and it hadn't gone live, we would have missed all that gold. True. And, and it was gold. I mean, I think just about every 
point that was made, Tony Jones had to just say, we'll just handle that. We'll, we'll, we'll say that's a statement <laughs> and we'll get another question. Next question. Okay, we'll say that's a statement too. <laughs> like it was just, it was, it was insane. And I think there's a YouTube link uh, uh, on a Google video, a Google video link on the blog. Thanks to a guy with no name or guy without name on the blog who did that. But also uh, another regular contributor to the blog, Dishy, wants to know if anybody's got a hard copy of it because they would like to keep a hard copy. So if you have a hard copy and you're willing to make a copy of it or part with it, uh, send an email to hooray at boxcutters. Well, it could be a soft copy, but from a, a, a telecast recording. Rather okay. than, than something that's been recoded for Google Video or YouTube. Okay. I don't even have it on magnetic tape. <laughs> I'm sorry, Dishy. So, while this was on, on Channel 9... Sea Patrol. Mm. Now, I, to be honest, I got through five minutes of Sea Patrol. Now, didn't you guys watch the first episode? I, I, watched, I, the, I watched the whole of the first episode, and we were going to talk about it last week, but uh, I think we were too full of pork with other yeah. stuff. Yeah, I... Uh, I, I Hadn't watched it last week and uh, only watched it this week. Got through five minutes of it and could not believe the the quality of writing and directing in this show. And and when I say quality, I mean lack of are, quality. Are, are you guys up to date with uh, Studio 60? You yes. know, about two or three episodes ago, uh, Jack's trying to buy this machine that writes jokes and writes dialogues like you just feed in the headlines and it writes the i think that's how they wrote sea patrol it's i think it really they bought this machine like the, well that actually goes back to an old terrible dull story about a, a novel writing machine yes and uh, levers and you want a bit of emotion you put your hand up and yeah that's uh, all well, hand gestures well but the, uh, I'm, I'm sure that's <laughs> i'm sure that's how they wrote sea patrol because it is terrible it but is, then but it then, rated its socks off it is rating and i saw an article that i didn't read over the week but uh it's talking about lisa McKeon bringing the gold again and seemingly she can't do anything that's wrong from, from the weekend newspapers mm. uh the uh the, the thing is uh, here's here's pretty much what i saw of uh of sea patrol the the boat uh, comes onto uh, an island, I think it's Bri- Bribe Island, Bramby Island, something island, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, Ashiketti's there. Not Ashiketti, mm-hmm. whoever that other woman is. Mm-hmm. Uh, she plays a doctor. The Mr. Sea Patrol says, Oh, doctor, what are you doing here on this island? And uh, the doctor goes, uh, No, I am just visiting here doing some research in a bikini. <laughs> That's what Sea Patrol is like. It, it is that terrible. Well, well I watched the, all of the first episode, and they did an emergency. Is it tracheotomy where they uh, they stick the the <laughs> pen? The, the well, they didn't. They didn't stick a pen. They stuck the ga- barrel of a gun. Oh, really? <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be a very small up, gun. Very... If you're looking up cliches one hundred and one, oh, let's do an emergency tracheotomy. I mean, it's it's been done just so many times. Uh, I'm waiting for someone to wake up in in the middle of it and not actually need it, <laughs> and then be stuck with a pen in their throat. Like, I mean, that would be much more interesting. They they, they did that on uh, on All Saints once. They oh, they did really? a, a tracheotomy that may like an emergency one with a pen that mm. may not have been needed, oh. and uh, and and someone was criticised for being a bit too gung ho oh. with the tracheotomy. Right, just because right. you see it in Mash doesn't mean you can mm. do it in real life. Uh, so, absolutely terrible show, rating its socks off, very expensive to make. Uh, I wonder how long the viewers are going to last on yes. Sea Patrol. Yes. And then at 9.30 on Channel 7, we actually had Age of Love, which uh, is three or four years too late. Uh, it's, it's in the uh, reality with a twist genre, a la Average Joe, Joe Millionaire, Joe Schmo, my big fat obnoxious Sh- shouldn't dot, Shouldn't you dot, say, dot. instead of with a twist, with a bit of topspin? Oh, possibly. Yeah. Yeah. But but the so twist is revealed a, immediately. Yes. As as soon yes. as the poo so met was, the girls. With all these shows. It was over. With all those twists. The, oh, not Joe. Not Joe Millionaire. But Sorry, I thought you meant revealed to the audience. Yes, the twist was revealed to the audience and to Philippusis straight yeah. away, which was the same with, say, Average Joe. And it's very very similar to uh, very similar to Average Joe in its setup. Uh it, I think if Philippusis wasn't in it, 
Channel 7 wouldn't be showing it at all. No. Although, ironically, if you went back to 2004, it would probably be their lead big show for the year because uh, that's the sort of thing they were going with then. Uh, and, yeah, it involves the kittens, who are the young 20-year-old women, and the cougars, who are the 40-year-old women, and, you know, what's going to happen? He's got he's to pick between the two of them. Um, always uh, yeah, I, I really wonder which one Philippus is going to pick, yeah, an yeah. older lady or a younger lady. Yeah, exactly. What a surprise. I'm, I'm always reminded of Philippus of that great quote from, uh, I think it's from Bull Durham where they're talking about he's uh, a million-dollar arm, but he's five-cent head. <laughs> kind of think there's a, there's a lot of similarities with, uh, with Philip Pusis there, although I, I do think he's, he's getting a bit of a raw deal. Everybody in Australia laughing how they said at the start of the show that he was in the peak of his career, and everybody here finding that hysterical. Uh, he, he has been in the top ten, and he was runner-up at Wimbledon and the US Open. Is he uh, even still playing anymore? Well, he, he pulled out of Wimbledon. <laughs> Not that he necessarily would have got in, but he pulled out to do the show. Too much rain. He he, he saw the forecast and went, it's going to rain too much. <laughs> it's going to screw my knee again. Not going not, not to do it. Mm. Uh, I think these sort of shows with that have the huge shocks, it's kind of the law of diminishing returns. You know, you turn in, oh, how's Philippus is going to react when he thinks it's all older 40-year-old women? And then next week, oh, how are the older 40-year-old women going to react when they see all the young women? And these shocks just get less and less as the show goes on, and in the end, you're just watching a really bad dating show involving Philippuses. Until it comes down to the final five, and and suddenly uh, Kyle Sanderlands is brought in, and he starts arguing with the judges. And, oh, it's yeah, just a I, mess. I can't see that it's going to be so, any flavour of love. Sorry, I did mean to give a spoiler warning there. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I think, uh, like you were saying earlier, I think it'll come down to he'll be forced in the end to choose one kitten and one cougar. At least in and the final they'll, they'll round, all and they'll go, go to bed together, head to head, and he'll end up picking the kitten. Yeah. So, hmm. That's and, and then they'll go out for a date, and they'll never speak again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that'll be the end of that. And now it's time for the golden age of television. That's better. How do I open up bubble wrap would, that I can't even pass pop? the bubble wrap, please? No, no, no. I mean. You know, like pass the envelope, pass oh, yeah, the bubble wrap. Yeah. Well, it's just it's just folded over. So, oh my god, anybody could have seen that. And following in our theme of Thursday night shows, Lost and Heroes, which outside Victoria screens on Thursday night these days. Right, but uh, Lost Heroes... at eight thirty, Heroes at nine thirty. Right, but in Victoria, Heroes on a Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Why are we getting screwed over like that? We're not. We're coming uh, earlier. I we're getting heroes th- earlier. It was something to do with the state of origin. Uh, and the... Uh, I any- think they, they moved... Because you have three out of five weeks they have state of origin on. Mm-hmm. And so they moved heroes to Thursday night so that there would be no state of origin clashes, is back my in, understanding. Back in the days of Buffy, uh, Melbourne used to always get Buffy on a Tuesday night, but... All other cities got it on the Monday night because uh, Melbourne Channel 7 had Talk and Footy uh, on in that time yep, slot. Makes sense. Anyway, Lost and Heroes in the Golden Age of Television. Fairly new shows. Fairly new. Not heroes much, especially. Not much that we have to say about them that we haven't already said over the last few weeks and months. No, I but... I would suggest. Do you think, do you think Heroes thing, deserves to be in there? Uh, you know what? Early on in Heroes, I would have said yes. Mm. Now, I'm not so sure. Now that we've reached the end of a season, I'm not as sure. The thing both of these shows do, and uh, I think Lost does exceptionally well, is the long story format. Yes. Which is something we've never really seen on network television before. Mm-hmm. And uh, Lost definitely deserves to be be in there. Oh, Damon Lindenhoff, what he's doing with, with Lost at the moment, and uh, how that's all working out. Absolutely superb, fantastic storytelling as far as that whole mystery, intrigue, Stephen King-style storytelling goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Heroes, you know, I'm a very big comic book fan. And at first I was thinking Heroes, absolutely magnificent, really loving it. Still, really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a bit upset that some characters that I don't like haven't died. But, uh, you know, that's all part and parcel it's, it's kind of like a movie that had that the ending didn't quite work I yeah. think you, you just got that you leave with that slightly sour taste in your mouth and you kind of think really was it that good and you forget how good the actual series was because you're kind of tempered by this 
kind of average ending. And it's also overshadowed by how good Lost is. Mm -hmm. You know, the two shows do go together. I think that's why they were both in the envelope together. They they do kind of go together in in the way they've they've been working out. But Lost is so much better. It really shows you what heroes could have been uh, Mm -hmm. if they had gone for a little more intrigue, a little less obvious stuff. If they hadn't gone with the voiceover, for instance, if uh, if they'd gotten rid of some characters because they weren't necessary, if Heroes had done all of those things, it's quite possible that uh, it, it would be up there. But I, I'm actually going to have to say, and I think this is the first time I've done it. No, it doesn't belong. You don't think you don't think Heroes I don't belong? Think, I don't think Heroes belongs. I think Lost mm. absolutely 100% belongs. I don't know. What do you guys think? We'll have to we'll have to have some words <laughs> to the people who put the list together. <laughs> Yeah, the uh, and and I also want to hear what uh, what what the listeners think. You can get to us on the blog at boxcutters.net or email us hooray at boxcutters.net. See, Heroes had some fantastic moments, and I, I there were there were some standout episodes that were just fantastic. Well, that third last episode where they're five years in the future, that's excellent. That's episode. magnificent. Um, pretty much all the stuff with Hero was yes. was fantastic. Uh, yeah, for me, I, but all the really Jessica, was, all the Jessica stuff, really was that ending. Just kind of, it'll be interesting to see how it goes both uh, in its next series and with the spin-off show that they're planning to do. Yeah, I, I look forward to that, and I'll still keep watching it, but not in the golden age. Both are interesting, though. Both that they will be shown up to date, presumably starting later this year. Channel 7 have announced that they're going to show Prison Break and Heroes pretty much as soon as they screen in the US. Lost, it'll be easier to do that because Lost isn't starting, starting in until February. February. So uh, it'll be interesting to see whether those two shows get any traction from not being downloaded so much. It's going to be very interesting. Anyway, that's Golden Age of Television. Hi, it's Pete Smith. They're not really naughty boys. They're just box cutters going about their business. Meadowlands is a show that started in the US over their summer on cable. Yep, just a couple of weeks ago. Around around the time Sopranos finished. You've been watching it. I have. It's another Showtime show. Uh, Does it have the Showtime stink? Well, uh, uh, it starts off with a uh, uh, family, a husband, a wife, and their two teenage children blindfolded, getting driven to a secret location. And through a series of non-specific fiery flashbacks, we see that they've experienced some sort of trauma recently in their lives. Uh, they get dumped off at their new home, which is Meadowlands. And Meadowlands is uh, is very creepy and odd. Um, I think I think it's fair to say that you shouldn't base all of your expectations for a channel on one show alone. But uh, with I, I'm a bit disappointed with Meadowlands, given the restraint uh, that was shown with the perhaps not fantastic but certainly watchable Brotherhood. It came from Showtime. Uh, I thought maybe maybe they'd learnt a few things. Unfortunately, Meadowlands is show-offy, look at me, look at me, crap that Showtime tends to do uh, far too often. It, it's just too strange. Uh, they turn up and all the neighbours are really creepy. Everybody has secrets. The twins are just bizarre for the sake of being bizarre. And all the characters in it seem to have two main roles the first part of their role is to spook out other characters by saying and doing really odd things. And the second part of their role is to be spooked out by all the other characters saying and doing very strange things. Uh, Is there lots of mystery? Lots of mystery, Ross. It's, it's all mystery. I don't think a line, a line gets said in the whole show, which doesn't allude to something else that's going on uh, or some big secret or anything like that. It ends with uh, it ends with the family throwing a housewarming party with all the local neighbours there uh, who decide to spontaneously do their traditional welcome and all break into this big group line dancing session. Oh. It, it's, just, it's just weird for the sake of being weird. Uh, it's very violent and very sexual. Some people might like it, but... Uh, it's it's yeah it's just not for me and i have to say i've read a few reviews of it because i was interested in what other people were saying about it and it really annoys me that uh 
anything that's even slightly odd or that more that people just don't understand gets described as Lynchian. Yeah. And and I, I'm quite happy to admit that they could very the people the makers of Meadowlands could very easily have been influenced by uh influenced by Lynch, but uh it just it just doesn't have any of the subtlety or the visual flair or the complexity or anything that Lynch brings to something like this. It's it's just strange and weird and pretty crappy. Yeah, I I mean we we saw that uh after Twin Peaks aired and uh what was it that started first? Northern Exposure. Yeah. And that had tiny quirks in it, like, ooh, there's a moose. Yeah. And and people thought that was Lynchian and then picket fences started. Well but but I mean I think Northern Exposure really was very influenced by Lynch. It was kind of like oh Twin Peaks had some very marketable aspects, but it was just too strange. Let's dial back the strangeness a bit, and we've got a mainstream hit. Yeah, which they did. Mm. Uh, but then Picket Fences started, and they're kind of diluting the uh, the, the Lynchianness yes. of uh, of the concepts. And and yeah, there are shows that are starting now that are just weird for the sake of being weird. It's, it's interesting. I I wanted to talk about uh, John from Cincinnati. This ah, week yeah. as well, yep. and uh, it's probably worth talking about it a little bit now. We've we've got a little bit of time up our sleeves. Uh, John from Cincinnati is a very weird show. Yes, it is. It's very it's strange. It's from David Milch, the creator of Deadwood, and uh, and also Ken, sorry, Kem Nunn, mm. who is uh, apparently a surf noir novel novelist. And see, I, I, I didn't even know prior to this that there was such a thing as surf noir. But neither did I. Neither did I. There is, and uh, and knowing that, it kind of makes a little bit more sense in in the realm mm. of John from Cincinnati. It's a show about a surfing family, surfing royalty, essentially the Yosts, uh, Mitch, the father who is long retired with uh, an injury, uh, his son Butchie, who. Basically, it became a junkie and uh, and can't really serve professionally anymore. And uh, Butchie's son, Sean, who uh, is 13 and just an amazing surfer. All of that seems quite normal. How are you going to make a show out of it? It's really very bloody weird. Mm. This guy turns up. His name seems to be John because that's what's written on his credit card. He has magical pants. Uh, he really does. He's got magical <laughs> pants. He seems to to know certain things. Some things I know. Some things I don't. Right. Uh, th- he he pretty much repeats anything that's said to him. He doesn't have. He doesn't really have any words that he hasn't had said to him. No lines that. So so if Ross was to say to me, uh, Mitch Yost should get back in the game, I would then say Mitch Yost should should get back in the game. Mm. And and that's what John does. Very strange guy. Doesn't sleep. Doesn't he? Doesn't seem in any way human. But there's no explanation for for who he is or, or why he is the way he is. Uh, first episode that I watched, I went. It seems like this is just being weird for the sake of being weird. I kept watching it because I believe very very strongly in David Milch. Uh, Deadwood was just such superb viewing, and. Uh, and it, it has the same kind of syncopatic uh, dialogue style that Deadwood had. Uh, and so I, I enjoy that, and I enjoy listening to, to that and, and watching his characters. After the second episode, I started to get a little bit hooked. I've seen five episodes now. It's a six-episode series, and I absolutely love it. Mm. I'm just I'm mad for it. I can't wait to get home and watch the, the last episode of this series. And I can't explain why. Mm. In that same way that I often can't explain why I like a David Lynch film, mm. because it involves things that are uh, in some way visceral, and that a lot of people would maybe see as being wanky, mm. uh, just you know, over the top or weird for the sake of being weird. To me, it it affects me in a way. And it's, I really like the John character. I didn't at first. Now I do. I think he's he's got some specialness, but I also like pretty much all the characters that that appear in it, uh, and I'm truly intrigued. 
Okay, because I'm still at the two-episode stage, so I, I really could go either way. We watched the end of the second episode some weeks ago and haven't been that keen to go back to it and, and keep watching it. Well, I, th- I think stick with it. Mind you, we have been watching uh, the sensational first season of The Wire, so right. Right, which makes it a bit hard to yeah. watch anything else. Uh, okay, yeah, that's very interesting. Uh, I never kind of got that sense from John from Cincinnati, from the two episodes that I've seen, that I get from Meadowlands. The, the sense I get from Meadowlands is that they're trying to be weird, Hey, let's let's have this weird place, and the place they go to, uh, Meadowlands. It's it's kind of cut off from from the world, and they're trying to have a lost type vibe about it. You know, like Lost is set on an island, but it's a creepy island. Uh, whereas I think this is, you know, this is trying to do the same thing. Oh, look how creepy this this place is, but it's just for the sake of it. There's no there's no kind of uh, foundation to it. Whereas I never got that impression from John from Cincinnati. John from Cincinnati always was strange, but it was more strange in a way that I thought, I don't get it. Yeah, it's <laughs> not. It's, it's being wanky. Just it's strange. Okay. <laughs> it's strange in a way that is vital to the storytelling. Mm. Uh, it's it's matter of fact strange. Strange things happen, but that's where the story is, mm. rather than much like on Lost. Strange things happen, and that is where the story is. Although in John from Cincinnati, it's a, a lot more in your face and, and happens a lot more regularly. Yeah. So, uh, but also the, the characters themselves are, are really interesting and, and intricate and obviously have all of this backstory that we're not being given, which is something that they don't really do in television much these days. No. Have huge backstories for uh, f- for their characters. It's also got an excellent cast. Louise Guzman's in it, who's one of my favourite actors uh, of all time, Ed O'Neill, uh, who viewers will remember from Married with Children, mm-hmm. uh, is also an, and he's done some good stuff as well. Yeah, yeah, he's he's an excellent actor. Uh, Sideshow Luke Perry uh, <laughs> is in it, and uh, and there are at least three people from Deadwood. Yes, and Ellsworth, also- Charlie Utter, and Francis Walcott, and also. Uh, What's her name from... Uh, Rebecca De Mornay. Rebecca De Mornay, who looks younger than she looked in the 80s. And unfortunately really lets the rest of the cast down. Yeah. She loves screaming, our Rebecca. She's, uh, she's had a fair bit of work done. She has. I would, I would suggest. Other, she has. I, otherwise, either that or she's from Melmac. She's, uh, she has had a, a fair bit of work done, but, uh, but none of it really on her acting. Anyway, that's uh, Meadowlands, which we advise you stay away from. Oh, just quickly, I don't think any of the, either of them will screen here. No. Possibly on Foxtel for both those shows, but possibly not as well. I can't see there being much of a market for John... Uh, there's no market for John from Cincinnati in the US. I can't see how there'd be a market for it here. No. Uh, it will probably be released on DVD and worth renting mm. to, to see if you like it. It's not for everybody. I don't think it's. I don't think everybody's going to love it the the way I do. I, Ross, I don't even think you're going to love it the the way I do. For, mm. for me, it talks to me. There's there's something about it. We'll have to wait and see. But uh, yeah, Mitchie should definitely get back in the game. Hey, um, when I cast my pod, it's with the box cutters in mind. Box cutters, pod, cast, done. Pork is on the table. The pork rests on your shoulders, Brett Cropley. <laughs> just reminded when we were talking about an island, they had that great episode of The Simpsons on last night, which is the takeoff of The Prisoner. The Prisoner. And uh, the other version of Homer, the uh, the German Homer, is, is, <laughs> is in there and he's watching TV with Bart and he's shaving his head <laughs> to keep just the two hairs on. <laughs> Don't they have something on? What, isn't there something else on TV, television? Maybe something about an evil island? <laughs> That's great. Uh, bread, pork? Um, nothing that comes to mind. I've got nothing as well. I, uh, I want to say thanks very much to uh, David Sheaf for uh, sending me a barrel of monkeys. A barrel of monkeys. And, uh, and, and with it, a note about how I never posted the photo of uh, Scooter Monkey. Right. So Scooter Monkey and the barrel will both be posted on the blog. I have photos of them now. I'm going to go home, sync, sync it up with my computer, and send them on to the internet webs. If you have any comments about tonight's episode, feel free to log on to the blog 
at boxcutters.net. And if you want to comment to us directly, there's a little linky doodad on the site that you click or something. I don't know. It's very and technical. Or you can send us an email. Hooray at boxcutters.net. And just a tip, uh, if, if, if you're confused by the security question, fire is hot. Fire is hot. Oh, this is security. You're, you're oh. going to have that. Uh, in case you're a robot... Mm. If you're a robot, fire is cold. <laughs> cold. Cold as the dead of night. But robots don't have ears, so they, they're not listening. Maybe they have hand gestures, though, Brett. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that brings us to strangely, the end of Boxcutters. It, it does bring us to the end of Boxcutters as, episode. As requested by Dishy. Oh, really? A shorter show. Uh, Cat Brain, wasn't it? Cat Brain, sorry. Cat Brain requested a short Except it was, it was a joke. I, I should point out that, that all three of us <laughs> missed the joke with that. Um, luckily, I had it explained to me quite uh, soon after it went up. And uh, Ross and Josh were quite was, concerned when they like, came oh, in tonight. Why? Why is this? I want to say thanks very much to Crumpler, our giveaway sponsors. Uh, stay tuned to Box Cutters next week, Brett. Yes. Next week, will we actually launch this competition you've been promising us? And uh, maybe maybe we'll have to have a quiz next week as well. Really? Ah, oh. oh, for a bit of uh, double uh, prize whammy? Well, the the big overarching prize won't be given away next week, but uh, we'll begin into regular uh, crumpler giveaways. Fantastic. That's f- excellent. I also want to say thanks to 3RRR. You can catch them at 102.7 if you're in Melbourne or rrr.org.au if you're on the internet. And if you're in Melbourne, uh, check out Dub It Up at Carney in Preston on Friday night. It's a uh, fundraiser for RRR so that we can get some DJ CDJ decks. Uh, to be fair, that's uh, if you're in Melbourne and a fan of Dub, which I'm not. Hey, Dub's okay. I uh, can't stand it. But support Triple R anyway. They're fantastic and they let us use their studios for recording this podcast each and every week. Until next week, my name is Josh Canal. Ross McQueen. I continue to be Brett Cropley. Thanks for listening to Box Cutters. Catch us again next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. And hey... Let's be careful out there.